Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope you are doing well despite the result of the Cincinnati Bengals losing to the San Francisco 49ers in their week two home opener at Paul Brown Stadium. Unfortunately, uh, for for some of you who just tuned in here, we had a video that cut out and I apologize there. Not sure what happened, but uh, might have had a little glitch there, but welcome back. As we were saying, for uh, before the video cut out here. Um, it's really a tale of two teams at this point right now. Is it, Which team are we dealing with? Are we dealing with the team that we saw in Seattle that really played hard, played well in multiple facets, hit a lot of their deficiencies, and almost came out with a victory? Or are we dealing with a team that is really not that talented and had a lot of its weaknesses exploited by a San Francisco team and a coach much like Zach Taylor, an offensive-minded head coach that really came up with schemes to uh, exploit what they're doing. So uh, not really sure exactly which team we are dealing with. Um, I'm seeing a lot of different, a lot of different uh, reactions here in the live YouTube chat. It was disaster. What a disaster. Can't believe this happened. Emilio Ravello Jr., WTF. Matthew Wayne Smith, I can't believe it. That was ugly. Um Really, Emilio Ravello follows up with what happened. Well, I mean, to answer that, really anything that could have happened poorly for the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday happened. Um, so, you know, the the big the big overarching question and one that I don't have an answer to, and I don't think many people in that locker room have an answer to, is which which Bengals team do we have right now? Um, is it the the great team? Or, or the seemingly good-looking team that lost in week one by a point against Seattle? Is it this d- disaster uh, of an out, uh, you know, of a team that put forth this output in week two? Or is it somewhere in between where it's kind of mediocre? I don't know. Probably It's probably the latter where they, they're mediocre and we saw the Jekyll and Hyde sides of this team. Now, as we continue to break down this game and as we continue to look at the various areas that plagued this team – it's not very surprising. So, you know, I, I watched this game with a, a someone who follows the 49ers, and he had mentioned in the game that really some of the some of the questions that were asked of of Kyle Shanahan in the week, or you know, how are you planning to attack the Bengals after their defense looked pretty good against Seattle? Well, really, what they said was we're going to try and run outside. And if you looked at what happened with the 49ers, their offense with Matt Breda again, no Tevin Coleman. 
Um, you know, their the running backs are hurt. They had Matt Breda. They had uh, Raheem Mostert. They had, you know, a, kind of a, a who's who of, you know, backup running backs. And San Francisco was able to just run all over the field. A lot of them were cut outside and bounce it up the sideline. And what that exploited was that the Bengals linebackers, their middle of their defense, are not very adept at moving laterally, moving sideline to sideline, and making plays to, to halt outside running plays. So last week, Seattle really tried to attack the middle of the field, and with Andrew Billings, with Josh Tupo, with Geno Atkins, with the beef up the middle, and with Preston Brown being a middle linebacker, Nick Vigil having some nice plays, they were able to kind of stifle the plays up the middle. Unfortunately, when teams bounced outside, they, the Bengals were not able to do that. It, you saw it a tiny, tiny bit against Seattle. You saw it a lot against San Francisco this week, and it really hurt them this week. Again, the Bengals were unable to – they held George Kittle in check early in the game, but later in the game he started making some plays. And then, of course, the running backs out of the backfield once again carved up the Bengals' defense. So really some of the things we saw from the 2018 Bengals' defense – started to come to fruition this again this week which is not good because that was a historically bad defense by the Bengals last year and um, you know it, it's not looking up there so a lot of different things on defense the Bengals were kind of caught off guard the the defensive ends and the pressure was not there and when they had Jimmy Garoppolo in their grasp or seemingly in their grasp he slipped out of it and either made plays or threw the ball away um, you know the other the other facet were the, the incredible amount of missed tackles, especially on first contact. So you look at, you know, you look at the Bengals missing out on the two Devons at linebacker, and now you see some of this stuff this week, and you, of course, you go, what if, what if, um, especially when the Bengals' top pick, Jonah Williams, is on the sideline with an injury. And guess what? The Bengals' offensive line was a mess this week. So let's talk about the offensive line going forward here. You had Andre Smith pulled as he was relieving Cordy Glenn at left tackle, which, of course, Andre Smith has never been an NFL left tackle. He's been a right tackle. He's been a guard, never been an NFL left tackle. And, of course, late in his career, he is not a, an NFL left tackle. He was pulled uh, about midway through the second quarter, relieved by John Jerry, who had m multiple issues at left tackle as well. By the way, John Jerry, a career guard in the NFL, never really a tackle, much less a left tackle. That is a disaster. So the Cordy Glenn and Jonah Williams injuries continue to bite this team and continue to plague this offense. Michael Jordan had a number of issues and also left towards the end of the game, carted off the field with an injury. So that is not good news, even though he is a young player and everything. But, I mean, that offensive line is paper thin as it already is. He gets carted off. Billy Price comes in, and later he sh he gets ragdolled around by the 49ers defensive line. Not great there. And then you have re really the only two players that seemingly played well on the offensive line or at anywhere near an average level were Trey Hopkins and or John Miller. And even then, they weren't anything to write home about. You have the similar roller coaster ride that is Bobby Hart at right tackle, and Andy Dalton was constantly hurried, pressured, he had a number of sacks, was forced into some bad throws, that sort of thing. So that was a major facet of the day. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You know, you can you can say, yeah, the linebackers, you can say the offensive line. The the fact of the matter is, though, that like characteristics, I, I said this last week, you know, there were a couple of critical mistakes that the Bengals made in that Seahawks game where they kind of handed a, a seemingly better team. They handed that win that they should have had. They seemingly handed that win to the Seahawks. The Bengals, again today, kind of did a similar, a, a very similar thing. Let's start with the very first possession that the Bengals had in the game. They get the kickoff. There's a a holding penalty right away on the very, 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 very first play of the game, holding penalty. Then next play, I believe it's a quarterback sack. Next play after that, they run the ball. Joe Mixon fumbles. Luckily, was able to recover deep in his own territory. After that, a short pass gain, then a subsequent punt. Not the way you want to start your home opener on the very first drive. Later in the game, they're down – 14-7. 14-7. to seven. Cincinnati gets an interception from William Jackson. Uh, a bad throw by Jimmy Garoppolo. Overthrows his receiver. Jackson gets the ball. Returns it all the way to the 49ers 30-yard line. The Bengals are in business to at least get potentially a field goal. Keep this game close and ride some momentum. What happens? The Bengals don't even get any positive yards because of penalties, because of the lack of run game, all of that. They set up for a long 52-yard field goal. And of course, Randy Bullock misses the field goal. So, and then from there, it was a runaway snowball down, down the hill because San Francisco ended up taking, they, they scored, I think, from that point, you know, 27-plus unanswered points to, to make it at one point a 41-10 to 10 game. So, the, it's those little things that become big things. And that's really been this, that was really the story under Marvin Lewis the last three years. This has been the story really over the past two weeks under the Zach Taylor regime. This is an inexperienced team. This is a flawed roster. And if they are going to win games, if they are going to be competitive, they cannot let these little things become big things because then they're, they're not, they're, they're quote unquote learning how to win. And uh, at that point, I think we all know that's that's usually a recipe for a tough season. Um, you see here, Danny Joseph. I think uh, I think since he will flip a coin to see which team will show up, that's kind of where what's been the case these past two weeks. Derek Scotts is Bullock, and Kirkpatrick are two of the worst in, in the league. Kirkpatrick for the past two weeks has had a roller coaster ride. There were some t- some points in the in the early part of the game where he and William Jackson had some decent plays. Um, later in the game, he was seen not being able to make one-on-one tackles against running backs that were completely needed for the Bengals to have any life 
Um, and then, of course, last week he had the fumble recovery, but he also let up some plays and then also had a big penalty against the Seahawks. So, um, you know, Kirkpatrick is, is you know, he's the up-and-down guy. And Randy Bullock, really, you can't trust him beyond 44 yards. I mean, that's kind of who he has become in this league. And unfortunately, I, I said this, I believe, in, in my winners and losers column, column that will be coming up on CincyJungle.com. This is a Bengals offense that will move the ball. But because of deficiencies on the offensive line, because of inexperience in the system, and they're still growing under Zach Taylor, there will be a lot of drives that will stall out. So what's going to need to happen? The Bengals will need to have a kicker to be able to convert points when they stall out at the 25, 30, 35-yard line. They do not have a kicker that can consistently do that. So therefore, they cannot really be competitive in a lot of games unless Bullock somehow changes who he is and who he has been for a long time. So um, I, I don't know. There, there are a lot of different things to question. There are a lot of different aspects to point your fingers to and say, that was the problem. That was the problem. This was the issue this week. There are too many. There are too many. Uh, Dalton RC, who I believe is the, the gentleman I met in Seattle last week. Dalton, how you doing, buddy? Um, this is, that's another storyline that really is kind of hidden under the loss. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Michael Jordan was carted off the field and I think it was late in the third quarter. BW Webb had a right arm injury. He was lost for the game. Carl Lawson had a hamstring in injury. Kerry Wynn had a concussion. And then of course, Andre Smith was, was benched. He didn't get hurt, but he was benched. The Bengals were without Cordy Glenn. Joe Mixon was still probably recovering from that ankle injury and did not play very well from there. Um, a lot of different issues, a lot of issues. And, um, you know, I, I think here we go right here. I, this is a great comment. And though it might seem overly obvious to a lot of us, it really is the truth. Jeremy DeBusk says, perhaps this past offseason could have been better spent addressing the known issues. Yes. And the known issues were the offensive line and the known issues were the, the linebacker group. Those were the main issues. And what the Bengals did is, yes, they drafted Jonah Williams, but they did not double dip at tackle or guard or anything. Really, in those first couple of rounds, there, this was a deep class for offensive linemen. The Bengals could have done that. They did grab Michael Jordan, a guy they feel is talented, who I mentioned now is hurt. They did grab him in the fourth round and moved up to get him. Uh, but there were other tackles and other players available. There is – you know, Trent Williams is still apparently available. If you really, if you think you can win now and that's a guy that can help you win now, that's a guy who's out there to help you right now. Um, I'm going to tell you what, if Cordy Glenn is continuing to be out with this concussion issue for a long period of time, Andre Smith and, and John Jerry are not getting it done at left tackle. That is, those are not NFL level left tackles, starting left tackles. They're just not. So, um, I don't, I don't know exactly what the Bengals' plan is going forward. But, um, you know, and, and going back to Jeremy's comment about the linebacker group, really they spent a third-round pick, Jermaine Pratt, on line, at linebacker. He's not really seeing the field. So that tells you really either, you know, the coach's inability to find a, a path for Pratt or it shows his lack of growth over this spring and summer to be able to crack the lineup and be an effective player. Uh, Nick Vigil and Preston Brown are in quite often. The Bengals are running out a lot of two linebacker sets. 
that uh, is being exploited that, and it was exploited this week. So, um, you know, that's something to, to look at. Um, you know, the, the Bengals re-signed Preston Brown, they re-signed Bobby Hart, and they felt that those were the right moves to make. At this point, I mean, you're, you're kind of at a loss for words because it's, were those the right moves? I don't know. Um, and, and it's looking like a no. It's looking like a no. Um, you can't expect them to use every single pick or free agent move um, at, at those two position groups, but I don't know. And, and the, here's the worst part, though. Um, really, I've said this, to, to somewhat of the Bengals' credit, when you look at the offensive line over the last two off seasons, look what the Bengals have done. They traded for Cordy Glenn. They, they drafted Billy Price as center. They, they brought in John Miller. They drafted Jonah Williams and they signed Bobby Hart twice. Now you can question some of those moves. Of course, Billy Price now is a backup player. Bobby Hart probably shouldn't be a starting right tackle for this team. But my point is that, and then, of course, the unlucky thing with Jonah Williams. But my point is that the Bengals have made moves for their offensive line that they felt could bolster it, could make it better. Um, they just haven't worked out. So it's not only not addressing the, the, the position groups correctly but it's, it's, or enough, but it's getting the correct players, getting the, be- the best players. And unfortunately today, uh, some people are not- noting it in the, in the, in the live Facebook chat here. The Bengals look out. They, they look like they were not the superior athletic team. They looked slower. They looked lethargic. They looked out strategized. I mean, there were, it was, it was a really, really bad day for the Cincinnati Bengals, really bad day. And um, you know, there's, there's two ways to go from here for this team. It's going to be status quo from what we saw in week two. And this is going to be a, this is going to be a season that a lot of the pundits predicted, which is a three-win season, a five-win season, that sort of thing. Or this is going to be a team that continues to maybe surprise and and maybe they're in it later in the year once they kind of get their feet under them, get some guys back healthy, um, you know, learn Taylor's system more, those coaches get experience. Um, and this this could be, and I'm sure you'll hear it in the coach speak and the players speak. They'll talk about a learning experience and that we'll grow from this and all of that. Words are hollow, though. They need to go out, and it, here's, the, here's the problem. This was their lone home game of, of the month of September, their only home game, okay? The Bengals go to Buffalo now. Buffalo's 2-0. They go there next week, and then they travel to Pittsburgh, who is currently 0-2, which is good news for the Bengals, but if we know anything, Pittsburgh knows how to rebound, even with Ben Roethlisberger, who has an arm injury. Um, they know how to rebound. They almost pulled out the win against Seattle this week. I don't know. Uh, going back to a, a point I made earlier about, uh, you know, the, the little things, the things that the Bengals were unable to do. I mentioned that first drive and how that played out. I mentioned the missed field goal by Randy Bullock. Uh, someone else here, Brian Yates, D- Dalton Jekyll and Hyde. Um, that was the other thing. Okay, so we're, we're the Bengals even suffering that first drive, even missing that field goal. It's 21 to 10, very close to the second half. The Bengals are driving. They need at least a field goal to make this, you know, a one possession game. San Francisco's getting the ball after the half, so they need points here, okay? And they're moving the ball, they're moving the ball. Dalton makes an inexcusable throw for an interception, and what does San Francisco do? Not, not, do they not just sit on it? 
they move down the field and they get a field goal. So that's at least a six point swing there. So that's another thing where you go inexcusable error, especially by a veteran, inexcusable error. You can't do that in that situation. And, and, you know, I, I understand Dalton trying to make plays. The running game wasn't working. A lot of it was on his shoulder. He was getting harassed by the offensive line, even through two quarters, but you can't make that throw. You can't throw that interception. And, um, unfortunately that's that's what happened there we're going to get out of here in a few minutes just once again i'm anthony kazenza with cincyjungle.com and the orange and black insider Bengals podcast thanks for tuning in today even though the week two result was not what we Bengals fans wanted out of out of the out of the team there have lost 41 17 against the san francisco 49ers in their home opener I want to say this. I guess we can end on some positives. You get the passing game and the wide receivers are still making plays even without AJ Green in the lineup. You got to like the Tyler Eifert caught a touchdown. Um, the guy has been through a lot the past few years, and the fact that he got out there and even though he had three catches for nine yards, one of them was for a touchdown. You got to feel good about him getting in the end zone um, and doing his red zone thing. You have to like that. Tyler Boyd. 122 yards on 10 catches, just a, you know, chain moving, tough catches. And he's doing a lot of different stuff as well. He's not just doing the little, you know, slot stuff. He is working on the outside on occasion and making some plays there. You have to like what Tyler Boyd is doing, especially producing off of a new contract. You have to like that. And then of course, John Ross, John Ross is going to give you one fist clenching drop every game. He's going, to, he's going to make you aggravated every game, but he's also going to make big plays. And there were a couple of slants that turned into big plays, one of which was a 66-yard touchdown already this year. John Ross has more receiving yards already this year than he did all of last year. He has 270 receiving yards this year. He had uh, 112 today, and he had 158 last week. 270 yards, uh, I, I believe, so far, this 370 maybe this week, uh, right now. And then he had, uh, gosh, two, two and change or something last year. He had no very little yards last year. So he's already outproducing in two games his output from last year, which is great to see. There's going to be the frustrating drops. There are going to be maybe some mental lapses, but he is still – one of, if not the fastest guys on the field, he is still a big play option, and it's nice to see Zach Taylor using him in the way that he should be used. Um, this is an interesting point, and maybe this is where we're resigned to need to be in terms of a mental state in 2019 from Chris Weston here. It's, it's still Marvin's team, going to be a couple years before Zach Taylor has the talent and guys that will make it his team. Maybe that's where we're at. Um, the problem is, if this is Marvin's team, why did you bring back Bobby Hart? Why did you bring back Preston Brown? Why did you bring back Alex Redman? Why did you – there are there are players here that they, this team still brought back that were Mar, Marvin guys, and they're still – some of them are still relied upon. Drake Kirkpatrick, high-profile role. Um, there are still guys on this team – that are relied upon for big roles that were Marvin guys. So I, I realize you can't totally overhaul the, the everything in year one right away, but there are still a lot of Marvin guys that were brought back on new, new contracts. Um, so I, that's where I, you know, I understand if you want to 
say, you know, you, you got to make your own mark and maybe keep some of these holdover guys that are on big contracts or whatever, but bringing them back on new ones under a new regime, that's where I go. Well, maybe this, I don't know. Maybe Zach Taylor doesn't have the autonomy that we think of the, uh, on the roster here. Maybe this is a Duke Tobin, Mike Brown thing. I don't know. Uh, hey, I'm kind of out of, out of words here. The Bengals lost. They, they, they looked very, very poor in many, many aspects. A lot of the same issues that plague them today have plagued them over the past couple of years. So hopefully they get things figured out and things will be moving in a more positive direction going forward. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com. Keep it there for all the news, opinions, analysis. Our podcast, the Orange and Black Insider, and other podcasts are being added. So keep it there for all of that. You can get our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, YouTube, and CincyJungle.com, so get it there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, hopefully we talk about a different result. (laughs) 